Oh, we try to eat our own dog food and build a scalable business. So we're very, you know, have very defined rules. Eat our own dog food. That is the best. <laughs> I love it. Clip that. <laughs> Go ahead. We are the CrossFit gym, not Planet Fitness. Gotcha. You know, you got to be. Great analogy. <laughs> got it. You got to be serious about it and you got to want to get in shape and you got to want to spend money. Welcome to Owner's Table to us today. We're talking to John Burdett. So John Burdett is a local Birmingham guy who has done a great job at building a business called Fast Slow Motion. It's awesome how he feels like his direction of his life totally changes and his purpose and his mission changes. So please enjoy this uh, episode with John Burdett. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome. Um, so I'm glad to have John on today because the, the crazy thing is, the one thing that's great about this, this podcast is at Owner's Table, we... I don't really know John that well. John was a friend of, has a, we have a mutual friend and um, he introduced us. He said, this guy would be great on your podcast. It's like, great. I love that. And so I talked to John for very, very briefly, like five or six minutes on the phone one day. And just at th that point I knew he would be a great guest. So he's got two older kids. Uh, he's going to kind of get into his story, but John, so glad to have you today. Uh, tell us, just give me the, the 30 second version of who you are and all the, just the different things of, of that. And then we can dive right into some questions. Awesome. Thank you uh, yeah. so much for having me. Very yeah. excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, born and raised in, in, in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm proud to be from here and okay. uh, never moved away. And wow. so, uh, been spent my whole career in technology and building okay. technology based businesses and, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a good journey uh, along the way. So if, I like to tell everybody I've made every mistake possible. That's good. Yeah. I keep surprising myself <laughs> every right. now and then, <laughs> but right. uh, that's that's the only reason I know how to do things nowadays is I've tried it the wrong way and, and uh, done it the right way from there on out. Key is you've kept going, so that's great. Yeah. So tell me this. Um, tell me, like you talked about technology. So here, the, one of the questions I like to ask everybody is, what do you do, mm -hmm. and why does it matter? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. So uh, I currently run and I started and founded a company called Fast Slow Motion uh, based out of here in Birmingham, but we have 125 employees across the U.S. And um, our mission is to be a blessing to business leaders as they grow and scale their business. As, as anybody that's ever started or helped grow a business knows, it's, it's a very, very challenging thing. Sure. And um, it can be very lonely at the top and, yeah. and um, it can be all consuming. Uh, your, your life's can 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 be challenging from both a personal perspective and from a business perspective and so over my career I've helped had the privilege of help building multiple businesses and like I said before I've made a lot of mistakes along the way and I'm just very passionate about building businesses the right way what we do practically at the end of the day we, yeah. we implement technology and systems and processes so we bring management level consulting as well as technology consulting to, to small high growth businesses to help them scale properly. What do you mean by high growth business? What is that? What give me a, like, what does that mean? Who is that? Yeah. So a high growth business is somebody that is not satisfied where they are today, but they've made it. They have real customers. They have real revenue. They have real problems. They have real employees and they have real challenges, but they're struggling, struggling to scale. So most businesses start with heroes. You work your butt off, you yeah. figure it out, you get going. You don't usually put a lot of systems and processes in place. And a lot of great entrepreneurs this is, guy. <laughs> are not great at that, are not great at that. Yeah. They don't enjoy that aspect of the business. Sure. But in order to transition to the next level, you've got to transition from a hero-based culture to systems and processes and consistency and repeatability so that you can get to the next level. Not to mention those owners can then enjoy life. 
because yeah. what happens is they, I call it building your own prison. Mm-hmm. You get trapped in your own business. You can't get out. You're missing your kids' ball games. You're not there with your wife. You're not around, and you're working 80, 90-hour weeks just to keep the business afloat, and then sure. nobody's enjoying the journey. So we really want to help people enjoy the journey yeah. because we believe the, 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 the value and the joy is in the journey, not the destination. Yeah, I agree. And so all that non-sexy stuff that's required to build and scale a business, that's what we enjoy doing. Just give me an example of a company in the last year yeah. that you've that it's called you, mm-hmm. said, I need help. You've went in, you've helped them, and they've yeah. done this. Give yeah. me an example. Yeah, so Brindley Mountain Fire Apparatus. Okay. We've, we're almost 10 years old. They've been working with us for almost 10 years. So they're the largest reseller of fire trucks in the world. So reseller. So let me give you a great example. So I live in Trustful. Mm-hmm. So Trustful buys, fixing to buy $1 million. These things are a million bucks. They buy a $1 million yeah. brand new fire engine that get designed to their spec but they get rid of this old one. Yeah. Does Brindley Mountain buy it from them? Brindley will buy it or they will sell it for them either way. They love to, to buy it, take possession of it, refurbish it, and then resell it. Because as you mentioned, these are multi-million dollar Huge. Pr- uh, you know, trucks and very few fire departments can afford to buy new. So you mm. gotta think about all the volunteer, yeah. all the international fire departments out there. These trucks are still good trucks, but they're, they're obviously can't afford They're an ARAP. They're in Arab, Alabama. It's, I, I, yeah. I drove through Arab three weeks ago yeah. in Al- I'm Alabama. They're, guy. they're right there off the, you know, I think, was it 31? The main or, drive, or, yeah. yeah. Whatever that is, 331, whatever runs Okay, through. so what do you help them with? And so, and so the yeah. thing is, what do you help them with? But what did you help yeah. them with so much that they think you're so valuable that, that you've, you've they helped yeah. you for 10 years? You've so helped for 10 years. They have amazing people over there. Founder, you know, our, our you know, VP of sales, all those people are just amazing people. They were running the business on spreadsheets and didn't have any systems or processes really defined. And they had realized that, hey, in order to get to the next level, I've got to put really professionalized systems in place as well as technology so that I can, I can take it to the next level because they're capturing so much data. You know, they know everything about fire trucks and where it's going and how much it costs and what the risks are and where this truck has been and all that stuff. So we built out Salesforce. We implement Salesforce primarily. We customize it to match their business. We consult with them on good systems and processes, and we implement those and then train them how to use it. And that allowed them to scale out to more people, add more sales reps, and, and grow the business. Okay, a lot of buzzwords there. Mm-hmm. Okay, the words, the terms that you use is sales and, or systems and processes. Mm-hmm. Give me an example of a system and process that you've used to help that, that company grow. Yeah. You talked about Salesforce. Yeah. We know what, a lot of people know what Salesforce yeah. is. It's the CRM mm-hmm. that keeps track of data and mm-hmm. personals and yeah. sales and stuff like yeah. that. So give me an example of a system and process. Yeah, so let's just take your trustful fire truck example, yeah. okay? They're wanting to sell that. How in the world do you even know how much it costs or how much it has to pay for it? So this, our, this database we built for them would capture all that data. And we know how much these types of trucks sells for, how much we've paid for them in the past. There's a good chance we even may have that truck in the system mm-hmm. uh, and know about it, know what maintenance it's had on it and all those kinds wow. of things. Because so they can make an accurate bid so they don't bid too much to buy the truck. They then know what not work to do. So tracking all the service history, you, you know, you can think of it almost like, you know, uh, Carfax for fire sure. trucks, all yeah. that information in one place so that they make wise decisions on which things to purchase. And then they also have the other side of, they know the buyers and who needs to buy one and what they're willing to pay so that they can do that. And then you're managing all the accounting and finance in between that as well. All right. So you said earlier, we, we talked about the, 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 the 
fire engine place, and that's fascinating. You talked earlier about 125 employees. What do those people do? Are yeah. those all people that are touching the client? Are they all client facing? Or what, tell me about tell me about those guys or girls? Yeah, yeah. So oh, we try to eat our own dog food and build a scalable business. So we're very, you know, have very defined. Role. Eat our own dog food. <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> I love it. Clip that. <laughs> Go ahead. And build a, a really scalable business. So we have very defined roles and responsibilities and everything like that. And the way my mindset works is is really defined processes that are simple as possible that um, that allow people to thrive and enjoy what they're doing. So we, we kind of take the concept of, yeah, we have 125 people, but we push that down to individual teams of five to ten people at a time. So our clients are served by project teams led by a project leader, and that, that team's going to consist of five to ten people. And they're going to have anywhere from five to 15 clients that they're serving at any point in time. So the success, we, we like to say the happiness of our clients is non-negotiable. If we're not making clients happy, nothing else matters. So they're making sure clients are happy, we're doing good work, and our people are enjoying the journey, and we're making money and we're profitable at that individual level. Okay. Give me another example of a company that you work with. I don't know if I'm going to do financial services or healthcare. So you got a financial services company, mm -hmm. financial service company A. Um, they have seven people. Let's just use that number. Mm -hmm. They have seven people on their team. So they've got, mm -hmm. they think that your company is a group of seven people. What do those seven people do for yeah. them? Like give me break, break those seven, yeah. five or seven people. So, so we do everything in context of a technology platform. So we're going to come in, they have bought Salesforce. Okay. And they need our help in configuring and customizing it to match their business. So we're going to start off with a small four to eight week project to get Salesforce installed, get it configured to match their business processes, import some data and get them up and running. Then we're gonna to transition to just continue to iterate on that and expand it out to do more things for that business, to do more stuff, automate more, add more value to that company. What do the five people do? Like give me, the, like give me an example, the five people. The, so the, the seven people. Whoever. Yeah. So a project team is going to have, you know, a project team is going to have anywhere from, from let's just say two to five people. Okay. So they're going to consult with that client to define what processes we're going to implement. Okay. Let's just say they need help defining their sales process. Okay. okay. They're like, uh, we, you know, and so we talk, we ask questions, we ask them about their business and then we're like, all right, we're going to have these sales stages. We're going to capture this data. We're going to put these automation rules in place. When this happens, we're going to email this person. When this happens, we're going to create this task. Well, you know, we're going to build these reports out and stuff like that. So we're going to define the requirements. We're going to put it in what we call one week sprint plans. So we're getting things done weekly. Because okay, people don't want to wait forever. You want to see progress. And so we're going to focus on these things this week. Uh, we're going to meet with you at least once a week. We're going to post videos throughout the week showing you what we're doing. You're going to get in there and get your hands dirty and start playing around with it. And you say, I like that. This doesn't make sense. Oh, I forgot to tell you about this weird thing in our business. And we just iterate on those, those kinds of things. So the team is going to consist of people that the more senior people are going to be driving those conversations, consulting. Client-facing people. Yeah, defining the stuff. The more junior level people are going to be doing the configuration work. They're going to be creating the fields, creating the workflows, importing the data, that kind of stuff, and learning how to do it. You're just an other arm of their Salesforce. business that's correct so Salesforce like does doesn't do services they just sell their software so they sell it and say deuces they they yeah and that's why it's a very symbiotic relationship with us so they love you yeah yeah we co-sell together 
So they can't live without us and we can't live without them because if you self-implement yourself, you more than likely will not be successful unless you really know what you're doing. So you've got to have people on your team. Most of your people on your team got to know Salesforce like a mother. That's right. Okay. And if they don't, they got to learn it. Yeah. And so, if they don't, if they, when they got to learn it, then, then you put them on a team and then do you have like Johnny's, Johnny's job is email, email uh, automation no, or we, whatever. No, we build generalists. So okay, our, our, okay. ideal, our ideal employee are, is an expert in business, is an expert in technology, and they can communicate and relate to people Both of them. and manage expectations. They need to have all three of those. Now, we, and that, so we have a very defined employee journey. Okay. You come in as an implementation specialist, then you move to a consultant, then you're senior consultant, then you're project leader, and, and you move up in the organization. Everybody on our team knows how to do the work because they started at the very beginning. Your top dog on team, team four started here, and now he's the number one guy on that team. That's correct. And Johnny leads that team. That's right. Okay, so you are primarily in Salesforce because Salesforce is so robust because we used to be on Infusionsoft. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yep, yep. It was so robust. And then we just, it was too much for me. But, so you have a, con all right. So people pay you to help, to help them with the systems that all lead back to the automations in Salesforce. So That's you right. would not come into my kitchen and help me figure out workflows in the kitchen. Not unless you're applying that inside Salesforce and we also do HubSpot as well, but you know Salesforce as well. And the, re and the reason for Salesforce is you will never outgrow it, and it's completely flexible and customizable. And you can do most of the work without hiring software developers. You can do it with what they call declarative tools. Inside Salesforce. Inside Salesforce. And the ecosystem's huge. There's millions of people out there that know Salesforce. So as a business consultant first and treating their business like it's my own, I'm trying to help them make wise decisions around these things so that they have ultimate flexibility. There's nothing worse than being a business owner and being trapped and saying, I got this technology platform, I have a successful business, and I can't scale because this thing won't do what I need it to do. How many, okay, you may not know the answer to this question. How many inquiries do you get a day, excuse me, a week of people wanting to use your service? Yeah, so our primary go-to-market strategy is alongside Salesforce. So we get hundreds of referrals from Salesforce every month. Hundreds of referrals. Okay, let's yeah, talk through that. Yeah. Hundreds of referrals. How many do you? How many say no to you because you're too expensive, you don't fit, mm -hmm. or whatever? Say no to you. And then how many say? How many do you say no to because they're not a good fit? What's what's if you get a hundred? Let's just say a hundred. Yeah. What is your conversion rate? Yeah. Yeah, our conversion rate is around 20%. That's great. Um, and so that does... I imagine you're probably pretty expensive. Yes, we are not. We are the CrossFit gym, not Planet Fitness. Gotcha. You know, you got to be... Great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> got it. You got to be serious about it, and you got to want to get in shape, and you got to want to spend money. Because we're not it. looking to just siphon off $5 a month from you, that kind of thing. Sure, so, that's great. So part of, really, a lot of our sales process is qualifying that buyer to make sure they're serious about what they're going to do. Yeah. So if they don't have pain, they don't appreciate, they're not ready to. Because no we can build the best system in the world. If they're not going to use it, if they're not going to, you know, it usually starts at the top. We, we believe in training the top down as well as the bottom up, meaning 
Mr. CEO, stop asking for this report to be emailed to you. You need to go in the system and see the data and mm. appreciate the data because that tells your team that you value what they're doing. And then we got to make it easy for the team to use at the same time so they want to use the system because it's actually a tool. So um, to go back to your question around the, the, the sell side, a lot of the deals, the majority of the reason people don't buy with us is they decide not to buy Salesforce. So they were not quite ready to join the CrossFit gym yeah. and, and get into it. So for whatever reason, it could be too expensive that, you know, whatever it may be with, cause they got to pay for our, they got to pay for the Salesforce licenses and then they got to pay for our, our services. That is by far the number one reason somebody Money. doesn't buy. Yeah. It's why people don't buy. From, we're probably a little higher than 20% now, but we're, I mean, with table and time, our catering portion of what we do, I mean, we we're probably 30, 35%. Oh, wow. That's just awesome. because, yeah. you know, Hey, we can't afford it or yeah. whatever. Like, and where do, where do you get the majority of your leads from? Instagram and Google. Mm. Oh, wow. I mean, really. Um, Are you doing paid spend for that? A little, we do a yeah. little paid spend on um, our paid spend right now. We quit doing paid spend on Google, but we're doing paid spend on Instagram, Facebook, and they're both there. Yeah. We had a video go nuts about four or five months ago and it just increased our following a pretty good bit oh, nice. but it it the problem is is that's not a problem but the thing is is like we're a local business we're yeah. 50 60 miles from Birmingham. yeah there's all yeah you can't yeah so there's so much you can do there. so if i got you know twenty thousand followers on instagram in freaking california who cares yeah. you know i'm not i'm not that's not who i am yeah. right now uh we're looking to try to monetize that a little bit yeah. and see what we can figure yeah, out send leads other yeah, places sure. yeah um but but um but yeah, that's that's the bulk of us. And but here's the thing: I don't have to have hundreds of leads mm -hmm. because I've only got so much capacity. I get to a certain mm -hmm. points of the year. I have to turn down. I have to turn down business in December. I sometimes have to turn down business in October, uh, and sometimes in the spring, just because there's only so much we can do. Yeah. I mean, I can't yeah. go hire 20 more people for yeah. whatever because they don't know yeah. what's going on. They're on our yeah. systems. Yeah. So, um, but that's interesting. All right, so look, so we got a good snapshot of the business. Let's go back. Where'd you grow up? What was home life like? Talk yeah. to me about your parents. Like, where'd you grow up? Like high school, middle school, high school, all that stuff. Tell yeah. Me, tell me the background. I grew up in Clay, Alabama. Went to Hewitt Trustville High School because Clay Trustville didn't exist back then. Yeah. So um, I, I won the parent lottery. Uh, uh, my parents are awesome. Okay. Yeah, so uh, home life was amazing. And um, they just, they were, um, they always believed in me and I yeah. could, um, they were just always behind me no matter what. So sure. it was, uh, you know, very, very blessed from that standpoint. So grew up playing baseball. That was my thing. Okay. I thought I was going to do that forever and, and stuff and um, had some success and um, got burned out my senior year. So I was all state my junior year and by my senior year, I was ready to quit. Wow. And so it just kind of flipped on me. The joy went away and all that kind of stuff. So at that point, I really didn't know what I was going to do, you yeah. know, because my whole life at that point had been consumed by sports, which I, th you know, I know you can relate sure, to. Sure, absolutely. Um, and, and so um, went to college, uh, went to UAB. Yeah, go Blazers. Go Blazers, yeah. And, uh, and at that point, I'd gotten very interested in computers. Um, so you go from being a sports guy to computers. Now, let me say this. You're my age. You graduate 97 or 98. Uh, I graduated in 97. Yeah. Okay, so you're older than I. Computers weren't a thing back then. No, I was the, you know, I was, uh, I was the academic guy on the team. You were? <laughs> yeah, I, I was the guy that built my own computer and all that kind of Whoa. stuff um, back in the day. So, yeah, that was pre-internet, really. Bro, I, got, I didn't get an email address until college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was pre, I mean, we, we didn't have the internet back then. So, I was, 
um, mess around with bulletin boards and all that kind of stuff yeah. back in the day and just really enjoyed it and uh, enjoyed solving the problems and things like that. So I was pretty confident in what I wanted to go into. And um, so I just devoted, I, you know, transitioned all that energy I had into sports and everything I'd learned, all those life lessons, all the hard work and all those things into that. And, um, and so I, I rushed through college, which I don't recommend. Let's go through, let's go back. Yeah. What, tell me about your parents. You talked about hitting the parent lottery. Yeah. What did your parents do? Because I always like to see. Yeah. Um, my story's really odd, but like I always want to see. What, you know, what did you see? Yeah. What did you see growing? You talked about great yeah. parents. That's that's fine. Yeah. But what did you see growing up? Yeah, like I think what did they do. Yeah, I, I think the macro theme is unconditional love. Yeah. I always felt loved, um, and always felt supported. And um, they weren't scared to discipline me when yeah. I deserved it. Um, but I always knew they loved me and everything. And I saw my dad work his tail off. He was a lifer at Blue Cross and worked Corporate. his whole career there. Um, so I saw him wearing a suit every day. Mm. And I was like, I don't think I want to do that. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was great. Blue Cross, I mean, uh, you know, paid for me to be raised. And yeah. it was a great company and all that stuff and, and took care of him. My mom was a nurse. And so she's okay. you know, two hardworking, yeah, people. Two, yeah, two hardworking people, two probably good income, above average income. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We never wanted or needed anything. Yeah, um, we weren't we weren't rich, but we weren't poor. And brothers and sisters. I got a younger brother. Um, okay. He was four and a half years apart. So we we weren't that close just because we were always in different seasons of life and and things of that nature. But um, but uh, yeah, so I have a younger brother. Where, what neighborhood did y'all grow live in? Um, uh, Cosby Lake Estates, if you know where yeah, that is. Up, 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 yeah, Springville Road. Yeah, not yeah. far at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is a random question. Who was the principal when you were there? At uh, Trustful. Trustful. Was it Hamilton? Uh, it was Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah. I'm great friends. I know I know him very, very well. Yeah. I'm great friends with his son. Oh, awesome. Billy, Billy oh. and I are great, great okay, friends. Yeah. I think Billy's probably the close to yeah. the age of your uh, your younger brother. Side note, but uh, Mr. Hamilton and I are great, great friends. Yeah, he, he was awesome. I, he's I didn't get to know him very well then. That was probably a that's, good that's thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> no, uh, that's great. Okay, so you go to UAB, and, and the crazy thing is we were there at the same time. You were there a, a year before I was. Okay, yeah. So I guarantee we got a lot of the same friends. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I did not enjoy college from like, a, like my day was I woke up, I worked out for an hour and a half or two hours a day, um, went to class. And then I worked part time. So What'd I worked. To, I my first job. I as soon as I stopped playing ball, I knew I wanted to get a computers and, I, and software. So I emailed all the software companies in town in Birmingham and sent them my resume and said, "Hey, I'm about to start UAB and I want to work part time. Do you have any internships available?" And so this uh, com, uh, uh, company called Southern Computer Systems <laughs> emailed me back and I got a job there working part time. So I would I would go work out. Wait, you know. The same disciplines of sure. get up at five and yeah, yeah. I'd go do that. That didn't change. Yeah, that didn't change. I'd go to school or I'd go to work, either one, depending on how my class schedule worked. And I'd do that. I'd go see my girlfriend, now wife, hang out a little bit. And then I would get a few hours of sleep. And I did that for three. I graduated in three years. So I went just straight through. And so I didn't do any extracurricular activities at UAB. Um, which I don't recommend. Sure. Um, that was just me taking that high D personality and that hard work ethic and didn't know what to do with it. And I pushed it all here. And, and, and obviously in hindsight, it's worked out really well, worked out but, great. but I missed out on a lot of stuff that sure. probably grew up a little too fast uh, yeah. there. So clip that. That was awesome. That was 60 seconds of wonderful. Um, so we have an editor that will 
Okay. Do all that. So we'll take that small clip out. I was great. Okay, so three years at UAB, uh-huh. totally different path than me. Yeah. Took me five or four and a half, but yeah, I love college. Yeah, but you're playing ball. I played ball. Yeah. I worked yeah. a bunch, yeah. but I didn't. But like your yeah. path is is yeah. wonderful. I did what you did after college, yeah. as far as that all that's concerned. Yeah. So throughout that process, you did you learn a lot working for that part time computer company? Yeah, I mean, I learned, and then I I got a. I went to work for U.S. Pipe in their IT department after that, and, okay. and you know, so I had multiple jobs in college, um, and 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 got to experience a lot of different things. There's there's working in the real world as you're learning in school is invaluable in my opinion, and so it really prepared me for my first job out of college because I'd already had real work experience alongside all the theory. So you're like stuff. 21 years old. Yeah. So I graduated college. Um, got married, started a new job, and bought a house, and all this in the same month. So I graduated in May, and all that happened in June. Wow! Of, of the next year. So yeah, we we fast tracked everything. So where was your first job out of college? You you graduate, yeah. you and your wife get married. Yeah. Y'all buy a house. Where are you working? Yeah. So one of my professors had had, had started a software company called CTS, Computer Technology Solutions, and so we he offered me a job there um how much did you make um it was good at the time it was like a uh, 40 or two thousand dollars yeah a year so yeah it was that's great yeah. 2001 2000 mm-hmm. yeah that's wonderful yeah okay. i could have easily made a lot more i mean the market was high if i had went out to silicon valley it'd been double that or whatever but anyway it was great i was yeah. blessed i wasn't so I, I wanted the experience him. yeah yeah so that turned out to be a huge blessing okay uh, so i was employee 15 or so and um, what we did there is we built custom software for Fortune 5000 companies. So back in the day, you didn't have the Infusionsoft. So, so this guy was a professor. He was an adjunct professor. Adjunct professor that owned this company, which mm-hmm. is great. I love that. Yeah. UAB, go Blazers, yeah. good yeah. job UAB. Yeah. So then he sees you, sees your bright, whatever, or, or Gave me a shot, Gave yeah. you a shot, you're yeah. employee number 15. Yeah. Right, go ahead. Yeah, so green as green can be yeah. had no clue what it was like but it was great because it was consulting we were software consultants so we would go with like regions bank and we would build custom software systems for regions or southern company or all these big name companies so i i was literally building these mission critical systems for these big companies and i started off as a software developer writing code and building databases and all these kinds of things and then worked my way up into leadership uh, through there you know at age 23 24 i was having conversations with the cios of these multi-billion dollar companies which is remarkable did not deserve to be there at all but uh, got the opportunity okay so talk let's let's so like on this 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 podcast we'd like to talk about the actual tangible dollars as much as possible so mm-hmm. 21 years old green mm-hmm. employee number 15 42 grand a year mm-hmm. where did how did you progress in the company as far yeah. as the financial and the responsibility yeah so um moved super fast so i was there six years and i probably got 20 years of experience so by the did time you just work did you just work all the time i did i did I worked all the time yeah i talked okay so let's let's like go back so part of what we talk about here is making sure there's a, there's a faith component of like mm-hmm. i hate the word balance i hate it i don't yeah. think it's yeah. applicable life's fully integrated it yeah. is so talk about you working tons and your wife's rhythm and flow of like what yeah like how that was yeah, I won the wife lottery too. I'm, I'm the only guy this one. Yeah, I won the kid lottery too. My kids are awesome as well. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we didn't know any better, um, and I certainly didn't know any better. 
and um, and so it it was um, it was normal for me to work a ton. Sure. It, um, it it really bothered my wife, and I didn't I wasn't mature enough to have those difficult conversations or to even man up to have those conversations. It was more like, don't you understand what I'm doing for you mm. and what we're doing for the future and all this kind of stuff, and. Um, so I, I learned a lot through that, and she she put up with me during during those times. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've slept on the floor at Regions uh, Bank in Montgomery, Alabama, where their IT group was based. That's crazy. You know, doing those, you know, just doing those kinds of things, um, and um, so we started having kids and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So, yeah, I wasn't. Um, I was I wasn't the best husband or the best dad for sure during those things. I, I didn't do anything like crazy or anything yeah. like that it was just you weren't getting hookers and going gambling or nothing no, like that. you no. just weren't there but i was yeah i was working and that yeah. was my priority and my my mindset was i'm going to be successful i'm going to make it i'm going to take care i'm going to be the provider yeah i'm going to create all these opportunities for my kids and my wife and and all that kind of stuff and i was i was really kind of just you know using things i learned in sports to kind of just apply that to business yeah. thinking that's how i'm going to get fulfillment or that's where i'm going to end up yeah Talk to me about the spiritual journey. Where are you at in relationship with your relationship with Jesus? And just like, where where are you at at this point? Yeah, great, great, great question. So at that point, I was doing things my way. Okay. And so I became a believer when I was eight years old. Yeah, you probably went to a Baptist church. That's exactly right. You went to a Baptist church, yeah. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday yeah. night. Yeah. Just like yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. And I you're, was... You're in Alabama. You're yeah. in Alabama. <laughs> That's it, yeah. And you, you're, you're a Christian, most likely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you're exactly yeah. right. You, you, know, <laughs> you, know where, you know where I'm going with this. I know this. where you're going. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the one difference is I was really close to the Lord during high school. Yeah. And so I did... I did I stayed between the lines. I, I made some really wise decisions mm-hmm. as I was, you know, from a spiritual perspective the during compounds, those years. Bro. Yeah. However... About about the time I decided to get out of baseball and 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 all that kind of stuff, it became all about me mm. in my career, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to be successful, and um, that that was it. So I stopped doing things God's way, and I started doing things my way. Wow, interesting. And um, and I had a lot of success from a worldly p- perspective, and a you know I was I was. By the time I left CTS, they they gave me. I'm, I'm so grateful to them. They gave me so much opportunity. But I was I was I was leading a team of 150 people. All the I mean I you know I, I was doing a lot, but I was empty and unfulfilled. Okay, the technical part of this. You're leading 150 people at 27 years old. How much were you making about? Yeah, I was making like 120. Okay, or so. so great yeah. great a yeah. great salary for a 27 year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The world standards, you're killing it. You've probably got a five or six year old kid at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just, a, there sounds like there's a hole there. There's a hole there. So, yeah. what I did, logically, of course, is I'm like, the grass is greener somewhere else. It's the, the grass is greener where you water it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and everybody has brown grass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so I was like, well, it's obvious I'm, I'm miserable because I don't enjoy the work or whatever. Uh, and so I was, we were doing professional services and either a client was upset or an employee was upset. I was just dealing with fires all day long. And I was like, this isn't it. And then I'd come home and my wife was upset because I was not there all, at all. And so, and, and so it's obviously that environment. I get offensive. So um, I got the opportunity to help uh, my business partner, Jeff Gale, who started a company called Ticket Biscuit. 
And so Jeff had started Ticket Biscuit, and we were the first white label ticketing solution. So we were competing with like Ticketmaster, but we allowed the venues and the artists to sell the tickets themselves through our software platform instead of having to use Ticketmaster. So you were back in, like they never knew, they never knew the word That's right, Ticket Biscuit. yeah. So if you ever bought tickets from Workplay, yeah. or any of those, that was all our software. And you probably never knew about it. Okay, so you, you skipped a spot there. So you're working at this place for six years, and then you leave this place. CTI, is that what it was? CTS. CTS. You leave yeah. CTS, and you go to work with right. your boy at Ticket Biscuit. Yeah, so start of his house, take a pay cut. No, let me ask you yeah. this. When you work with, what's this guy's name? Jeff Gale. Jeff. So you work with Jeff. Do you go in, take a pay cut, and get equity? Yeah, I did. Yeah, we worked out an equity deal. Great. Yeah. How long had he been going? So he'd been going about a year or two, maybe two years, but he had just quit his job at AmSouth Bank. He was he, so, so he was side hustling was Ticket side Biscuit. Yeah. Biscuit. You were working at CTS. Yeah, and that's how we had met because I oh, worked yeah. with AmSouth. I remember yeah. AmSouth. Yeah, you remember AmSouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so so I, this is great. So yeah. keep going. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go do products now. I'm gonna do something different. That's gonna that's gonna fulfill me and all that kind of stuff. And so it turned out to be a great opportunity. I gave up a ton of opportunity at CTS and, and a lot of money and all those kinds of things to do this, but I didn't really care about the money. I cared about the opportunity and I wanted to be happy at, at the end of the day. So uh, this is a question that I get asked a lot. And yeah, I talk about this a lot with people. Talk to me about the pay cut you took and what, what that was with yeah. the kid and a wife. Yeah. So um, I believe... I don't know. I can't remember exactly, but I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't horrible. I was making probably seventy or eighty thousand dollars. Um, so a forty percent pay cut. Yeah. So yeah. one twenty-ish yeah. to eighty. Yeah. That's a yeah. lot, bro. Yeah. I mean, because people get lifestyle. Yeah. Lifestyle choke. Yeah. And they start their lifestyle yeah. raises with their income. And, and that shows you how amazing my wife is. She didn't care. She just wanted us to be together, be happy, yeah. and do. You know, she was focused on the right things while I was focused on trying to be successful. And, and so, yeah, it was great. I mean, in hindsight, um, it, it, I'm not sure why Jeff trusted me enough to do it. I mean, he gave, he gave me some of the company, um, and, and um, I was willing to, to take the leap and do it. And um, it was awesome. So we built that thing up over six, six years. Okay. Um, is, is, um, and and um, it, was, it was awesome. So I built that, we built that thing up. I uh, had about 40 or 50 employees. We had clients all over the place and, and all that kind of stuff. And at that point in my life, I finally realized what was wrong. And so that, third, you're th around 33. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was 2010, 2011 in that time okay. frame. And it was, I wasn't doing things God's way. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and so I like to tell people that God, God allowed me to get miserable. Sure. To the point where I could only be dependent on him. And, and that was the only way out. And so I'd built, I'd, I'd helped Jeff build up Ticket Biscuit. I'd worked myself out of a job. Um, I didn't enjoy the entertainment industry. Um, this is where I've learned, you know, a lot about being intentional about the businesses you build because you can quickly build one you don't like. And there's things, I just don't enjoy that industry and I wasn't passionate about it. I wasn't called to do it. What are you doing with Ticket Biscuit though? So you got up to 40 employees. What are you doing? Are you helping, are you coding? You're sitting there. No, no, we had a whole team. I was COO the whole time. Operations. Yeah, so I ran all the back-end stuff, so from um, all the finance and accounting support, okay. service, implementations, those kinds of things. So, but so, you're so. having to deal with clients pretty a bit. Yeah, well, at that point, after six years, I, the team was dealing with most of it. I truly had worked myself out of a job. I'm mm -hmm. not sure Jeff believed me at the time, but he learned it after I, I left. Um, so we worked out a deal where I just transitioned to the board. And um, I, I took, I was gonna, I was taking a sabbatical. 
So it was the first time in my life since I can remember where I had nothing to do. So I completely quit. Basically, okay, so you, no income, nothing. So you the, know. this doesn't. Okay, so try and help me understand mm -hmm. this. So you're working at this place. You own part of the company. Just you and your buddy own it. Uh, we had a couple more shareholders. At okay, that so point. a couple more yeah. people that invested some dollars. So you are part owner, and you go to him and say, "Hey, I'm done," yeah. are you, because you're because you're miserable in your soul. Just all this, all the things are like. Yeah, I mean, I, the main the main thing is, look, I've I've worked I've. I've done what I enjoy doing, which is building up the business. Yeah. Now the business is humming along and this person I help hired is ready to take over my job. Mm. And I'm actually holding up the growth of the business because I'm not passionate about it. Right. That was all true. I was also at a point in my life where I was miserable because I was learning that this success isn't fulfilling. Okay. And all this hard work isn't fulfilling if you're not doing it the right way and for the the right, the right reasons. reasons. Yeah. So you go to the quote, the board, what does that mean? So we had a board, um, of the, to run the business. We had, at that point we had, we had raised a little bit of money before that it was completely bootstrapped. Um, so I just transitioned to, to the, to a board seat to help run the company and making sure things were staying on track and to be there as an advisor as they needed me. So you didn't make any money doing this. No, so you gave up your quote salary in this process. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So what next? So the spiritual and the professional. Yeah. So at, at that point I was, um, I, I, I completely surrendered to God and I was yeah. like, look, God, I, I now trust you yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to prove it. I'm not going to try to control these things. And, um, I'm going to, I'm going to take some time off and I'm going to focus on doing things your way. Right. So that's what I did. So, um, I ended up, I didn't know how long I was going to take off. And this once again, shows you how amazing my wife is. When I told her all these things, she was like, great. Sounds like a great plan. Why are you paying your light bill? <laughs> so we had savings that we had saved up a little bit. Um, I'd sold a little bit of, of my Ticket Biscuit stock over a- so you were public? Oh, no. That okay, was a private market. Private so market. I sold it to some of the shareholders. Some of the shareholders, okay. Sold it back a little bit. So there's a little bit of residual income coming from that. But we'd saved up a little bit of money. And honestly, I was at a point, man, where I'd figured out that, like, there's got to be more. Yeah. There's got to be more. Um, I'd sacrificed time with my kids and my wife. Mm -hmm. I'd worked my tail off. I'd made money. On paper, I had it all made, and I wasn't fulfilled yeah. at, at the end of the day. So I was, I was very desperate for, for God at that point, and that's where I focused. And so I got right with God. I was like, from now on, I'm going to do things your way. Yeah. And that's really kind of where I, I received my calling and my purpose. And, and that is to help people build businesses God's way. So every business principle I, I've learned and used, it's really all biblical, mm -hmm. all biblical principles. Now, we don't, I don't advertise that that way because I want I mean, that is my ministry. I want to yeah. show people how these things work. And so that's where I kind of I, I learned to do that. I, was, I didn't have the vision for fast slow motion at that point, um, but I knew I was going to do things his way going forward. How long did you stay out of not? How long did you not work? Yeah, it was a month. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to say a year. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, okay. Yeah, which yeah, shows you how. I stayed out 27 days. Yeah, yeah, which shows you how I'm wired. Yeah, right? no yeah. doubt. I love but, it. But it was the first time in my life where I woke up, I didn't have anything to do. Oh, gosh. And I'm not that kind of person, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of thing. But it was good for me. Um, didn't, we didn't put a timeline on it. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to see, but so about, about, a, about, you know, week three or four, 
I started getting inquiries like, hey, you wanna come do this? You wanna do that? You wanna do these kinds of things? So I wasn't sure what I was doing next, so I did a little bit of consulting just to kind of Help figure it out. It. Yeah, helping people out. And then I got, Chad Troll contacted me. He, um, he's a great entrepreneur in town. He started a company called Hospice Link. He now owns High Five Dental. Um, just amazing entrepreneur. And uh, I joined him at Hospice Link as their, as their first COO. And so I thought I would just do as this. As an employee? As an employee. Okay. Um, and I thought I'd do the six-year journey again, right? Let's help build this thing up. Yeah, but this time I was going to do it God's way and the yeah. right way and all that kind of stuff. And about six to seven months into it, uh, God put the vision of fast load motion in you know, my heart of like, okay, hey, I've called you to help build businesses the right way. I've called you to help other business owners not make the mistakes you've made. I've called you to show people that you can have a great business and a great life and not miss out on all the important things in life along the way. It, it, God's in the and business, not the or business. Mm. And I, that was my calling on that. So um, I felt bad for Chad because I was like, I, when we start, first started working, I was like, hey man, I don't want to be CEO. I, I want to do this. I, 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 and I, I was 100% truthful with You're him. You're honest with so he was he was grateful to become my first client <laughs> at Fast Slow Motion, and that shows you show how shows you how awesome he he is. And so we'd done some great things in that short period of time at Hospice Link. So was, you know I felt like I'd set them up for success. Yeah. But um, January of 2014, that's when I started Fast Slow Motion. Wow. Okay. So talk about that journey. It's a it's a vision of helping business owners. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's let's backtrack a little bit. Where does Salesforce come out in here? Come in here. Yeah. So at Ticket Biscuit, I'd implemented Salesforce to run that whole business. So I was a customer, and I'd done it all myself. And so I, I, I really you, figured out. You spent how to the do ten thousand hours on Salesforce. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I'd done it for my myself, which made me highly qualified to help other people to do it because I'd lived the journey. I'd had, had the same questions. I'd had the same challenges and things of that nature. But I did not start Fast Slow Motion as a Salesforce consulting company. Okay. I started it with our mission is to be a blessing to business leaders that grow their business. So I wanted to be that management consulting kind of company for small businesses. Okay. What I figured out, though, is they need technology and they don't want to evaluate Infusionsoft or Salesforce or HubSpot or Dynamics or whatever, Act, you know, Active Campaign, Campaign any of yeah. these out there. They, they want to be, you know, okay. I need my problem solves. I need the software coming in. So about nine months into it, we decided to focus exclusively on Salesforce and say, okay, if Salesforce isn't involved, we're not going to do it. And what that allowed us to do is come focus. with a vehicle yeah. and focus. And the result of that was Salesforce started sending us all this business, which solved my sales and marketing problem, which. So you don't pay for anything for marketing. Well, we spend a lot of money on people going out and getting, helping us get those referrals with Salesforce. Explain. Yeah, so Salesforce is, a, is unique in the software industry, and they have a direct sales force for all sizes of businesses. Okay. There's literally probably five to 700 employees that all they do is sell to businesses like yours. So you have a Salesforce rep at Salesforce that is in a Salesforce employee, and their job is to sell you Salesforce licenses. Okay. Because they're, I'm, I'm in their industry or I'm in their, their geographic. They're, they're, you know, more than likely geographic, but they do all have industry breakdowns. But typically in the small business world, it's geography-based. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so that's very unique in the, in the software. Because a lot of times what software companies do is they go to market through partners, and the partners sell the software, like Microsoft does that. Okay. So the result of that is 
there's these five to 700 account executives, I've got to be top of mind so that when they talk to you, they bring me in with you and I start talking to you at the same time because we co-sell together because you need me to help implement the software. The reality is that they turn over very quickly. So we're, I mean, it's very short tenure kinda in like, that role. Kind of like pharmaceutical sales. Yeah, very, very short tenure. Young people get a job working a year and a half, two years, boom, gone. Yep. Yeah, they either, they either don't hit quota and get fired or they get promoted because they're good. And so that churn is extremely fast. So I have a whole team of people that are going across the country to all the Salesforce offices and doing enablements, doing events, doing things to be top of mind and to talk to them about how we're different and how we're unique and how we can help them sell more to get those referrals. Who's so, your number one competitor? Uh, we don't have a number one competitor. We have a lot of little competitors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We so have a lot, we, a lot of people that are five-person yeah, teams that, that you compete yeah, with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they're very transient. So we're, we're, we're probably the biggest, highest-rated partner in our space. Most, most Salesforce partners want to work with large enterprises, going like regions or whatever. Sure. We don't. We want to work with businesses like you. Yeah. Because we relate to you. We're empathetic with you. We can, we can have a real conversation, and we can, we can solve your problems. So the people, how many employees do you have that do that, that go around to the Salesforce offices? Yeah, so we have, um, we just hired, uh, uh, there will be 10 as of Monday. Okay, so as of, you got 10 employees that their whole job is to go to Salesforce offices and love on them. That's so exactly right. That's your marketing dollars. That's it. That's it. Yeah, we do have a marketing team. So we market to Salesforce and we market to candidates because we're in the people business and we can talk about that if you want to as well. Yeah. But our marketing team is trying to help us recruit people that we can build up to stay. I call them grow, grow people up to stay. Me meaning employees. Employees. And then they're marketing to Salesforce so that, that Salesforce, we're providing content and stories and case studies and materials, all that stuff to these Salesforce reps to show them so how we're going to help them sell more. Those marketing materials end up also working well for our clients, but indirectly it's hard for me to market to the, because every, the TAM is huge. And what is TAM? Total addressable market. It's yeah. every small business in the world, you know, can, that wants to grow. That wants to grow is our client, potential client. Okay, you talked about being in the people business. Do you mean you go deeper on that? Yeah, so we're, we're professional services, so we're only as good as our people. And our people have a really hard job because they got to be able to have a meaningful, relatable business conversation with someone of your caliber. And they got to know how to, they got to know the technology and how to do it. Where do you recruit these people? Are you so, poaching just Salesforce yeah, so, people all that all day long? Yeah. So what we do, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a never ending, you know, there's always something to learn. And, and so we, we recruit people that love to learn and uh, love to grow because there's all you learn something new every day, every day, either about business or technology or whatever. Those are the type of people, lifelong learners is what yeah. we we're after. So we have a full time recruiting team. We have a full time recruiting director and we're constantly recruiting people. It, it's it's easier to get into Harvard than to get a job at Fast Motion. We we literally interview thousands of people a year, uh, you know, and, and hire thirty to forty. And so, we have a whole defined process that we've implemented in our own Salesforce yeah. org uh, yeah. to to recruit people and and pull them through. And we could talk about the interview process if you want. But we have a very defined intentional interview process, and the people that make it through then get a job offer. 
And then once they get on board, we have a very defined career journey that they go through. And we have very various options depending on the paths they want to go. And it's, you know, we train them up and grow them up to do those things and, and grow into those leadership positions. What is your churn like? Like if you've got 125 employees now, yeah. how much are you turning over and what are those people going to do when they turn when they leave? Yeah. That it turns always, a, I'd be glad to share some of those metrics, but you have to put time frames around it and things yeah. of that nature. And we're so high growth. So um, the, to answer your question uh, directly, I guess, is we do have people leave. Yeah. Um, and the primary reason they leave is they didn't enjoy consulting. Did not enjoy consulting. Yeah. So they think. Okay. Consulting is a bundle of buzzword. Tell me like. To consulting is, and help me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Consulting is walking in and helping a business do things better. The, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they don't enjoy that. They don't enjoy it because it's very, in our world, you're working with five to 10 clients at a time, various industries, mm. various complexities and all those kinds of things. And so on a, on, a, on a day, <laughs> in a day, you may talk or work with five, five different businesses. Yeah. And so there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to rest. You've always got to be on and you've always got to be learning. You're always being thrown curveballs that you don't know every answer and, and that kind of stuff. And that's not for everybody. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So people, it's glamorous because you hear consulting and you get, because it's, if you enjoy variety and you enjoy those things, you love it. If you don't, if you want to work on the it's same horrible. thing or you want to take a mental break or whatever, you hate it. You hate life. And so we try to set expectations in the interview process, but some people have to try it out first to see that. So that's the primary reason people leave. So they'll go work for uh, just a company and do be their Salesforce person. And do the same thing every day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and that's fine. There's, there's plenty of, there's oh, roles out there. Crazy. Doing yeah. That. You would too. Yeah. I mean, but not everybody's wired like sure, us. Sure. I agree yeah. with that. And so, so that, that's why I primarily, you know, pe people leave. Um, and then some people don't make it. Um, they just don't have it what it takes. Yeah, so we, sure. we coach people hard. We, we, you know, but um, we only have A players. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we try to coach them up. And if they can't become an A player, they need to find – there's a better opportunity for them somewhere else. And they here, though. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so t what's your – so you're probably eight, nine, ten years. How long have you been on this? Nine and a half years. Nine and a half years. So you're almost yeah. a ten-year ten yeah. anniversary. What's the exit strategy? Yeah. I have two success or two success criteria. So I was going back to the lessons I've learned and kind of, you know, I learned to build a business with a lot of intentionality. So everything at fast motion has been built with intentionality and focus. And I was okay failing, but I wasn't going to build a business I didn't like and love. And I wasn't going to build a business that didn't align with our purpose and what we were going to do. Okay. So our BHAG as Jim Collins would call it yep. is to be a blessing at scale. Very few businesses have gotten bigger and have kept their culture and stayed true to who they are as they got bigger. They sell their soul mm -hmm. and they stop being that, you know, and there's very few to do that. So that's our macro goal. It's a very daunting goal. Yeah. So we want to retain our culture and, and really fulfill our mission. And so my success factors for the business is when I'm gone, the business does better without me than it did with me, which means I did my job. Mm -hmm. And then our people have a better opportunity without me than they did with me. Okay. So, that is my exit strategy. So whatever that looks like, I'm okay with as long as we hit those goals. Um, and so if it's to sell to somebody one day, if it's to just the employees take it over, whatever it is, that's what motivates me to 
in this business. Did you raise any money doing this? No. Totally bootstrap. bootstrap you own 100% of the company now? Not anymore. No. So I've, okay. we've uh, we have rolled out an equity plan for our team. So um, we have 27 or 28 employees that own the company. I'm still the majority shareholder. Um, but the goal is I want to create, I want to allow them, I want to help them create wealth in the business. I want yeah. I want them to stay. And and the, the biggest blessing I've had with this company by far is to see our team do things way better than I ever could. Mm-hmm. And so I'm highly motivated to give them more and more opportunities to do things better and make sure I stay out of the way. Yeah, yeah, and sure. don't stop that because... I'm good at building things up to this point. I may not be the best at growing it to the next point, and I don't want to slow that down. Yeah. Um, Talk to me about, um, so you're 44. You've got, your kids are out of the house now. Talk to me about your kids. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me, how many kids you got? Tell me, that, tell me those metrics. Yeah, I got uh, two wonderful kids. Uh, Clayton, my son, is, a, is 20. He's, okay. a, he's a rising junior at Auburn in accounting. Um, he's wired very similar to me. Okay. So we have a good time together. Yeah. We like to work out. And yeah. He's, He's um he's an amazing kid and very close to God and yeah. uh, just uh, making way wiser decisions than than I <laughs> ever <Nice>. did. <laughs> um, Learn from his dad's mistakes. Yeah, there you yeah. Go. So uh, he he's awesome. So he's having a good time at Auburn mm-hmm. and uh, enjoying that. And he's he's gonna go into accounting to start off with and see what he likes and okay. things of that nature. And then my daughter Kenna is 19 and she's a rising sophomore. And so she's in exercise science right now. Where does she go? She goes to Auburn as well. Okay, two Auburn people. Yeah, two Auburn people. Um, And she she wants to be a physical therapist right now. So very proud of her. She's currently out at JH Ranch on crew. Yeah, um, yeah. Serving out there. And uh, she's got it. Does she? You know, the it? Yeah, sure. She has it. Like, uh, she's just an amazing, amazing person. She can go hand, you know, have a conversation with anybody Mm. and you would love that conversation. And she's just a pure heart and just amazing woman of God. So very proud of both of my kids. Um, we're, my wife and I are very aware that, you know, we, 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 we don't deserve them. And we're also aware that, um, you know, what, you know, we're, they're one decision away from stupid and all of us are, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and we may, you know, we, but so far so good, I guess. Tell yeah. us, talk about the, the parenting part of, of what we do is very, very unique because we are so driven mm-hmm. to create. My wife asked me one time, she says, we were in that one of those stages like you've been in before yeah. where you were working all the time, lots of hours. And yeah. she looked at me and she goes, when's it ever going to be enough? Yeah. And I didn't have an answer for yeah. it year and a half, two years later, I looked at it and I was like, I don't think it ever will be. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, there's a financial component, but there's more than anything. Mm-hmm. It's a competitive purpose component. Yeah. And um, I don't, I talked to a buddy of mine on the way over here, 10 minutes before I got up, before I met you, and he said something about retirement. I'm like, what are you going to do when you retire? Yeah. What are you going to do? Like, sit around? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that there'll ever be enough, but talk to me about the parenting part and I'm not going to ask, is there a book, but like, what'd you do? What's the method, the the thought process, the, the general methodology of how you raise these two great kids. You you marry the best mom in the world. That's how you do it. That's a simple answer. And I'm not joking. My wife, God called her to be a mom and mm-hmm. she is the best mom in the world. Yeah. So I won that lottery as well. Sure. I just keep saying that uh, on that side. But, you know, I think the one thing she was really good at and one thing we tried, just be very intentional about things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what I mean by that is making sure you're in church, making sure they're, they're you know, making sure they're picking their f- friends wisely. Yeah. 
making sure you're, you're balancing freedoms with responsibilities. So you, you give them opportunity, but they've got to show responsibility in that to be able to, to be able to take advantage of that. And if they're not making wise decisions, you got to pull back freedoms to keep them in balance Correct. Uh, along the way. Um, but you know, one thing we've tried to do is just make sure our kids know that they're unconditionally loved. The yeah. love meter doesn't change based on success or failure. Yeah. Uh, we may not be happy with bad decisions Correct. or whatever, but the love meter doesn't change. And guess what? We're always going to be beside you. Sure. You can think of the dumbest thing, the worst thing in the world you could ever do. We're going to be right there with you. Once again, not going to be proud of that decision or whatever, but we're going to be alongside you and we're not right. going to leave you uh, and, and that kind of stuff. So it gives, hopefully the kids have a, a safety freedom to know that, hey, my parents love me and they trust me. And when I make wise decisions, I get opportunities. And when I don't, I pay the consequences yeah. so that they're prepared for life. And then they have that Christian worldview. So when they're encountering things that may be confusing to them, they have the foundation to know what real truth is sure. and, 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 and build upon that. So those are the, those are the things that we've kind of, you know, tried to, to try to, to, to enforce in our kids and give them the opportunities to make wise decisions. So 44 years old, successful business, um, got a great wife, got great kids. They're in college. We talked earlier about you being an empty nester. Um, what does day-to-day look like? Give me, give me the day-to-day of like where you're at right now. Yeah, so I love, like you were saying before, I, I don't think we're called to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, that's not a biblical principle. Um, only the, the Levites were, were called to retire. And even then, they were called to coach and train after that. So, um, you know, I think self-awareness is a, is a gift and one of your greatest assets. And I think understanding who you are talking about, like you were saying before, like I, I'm very comfortable now knowing that I'm always not going to be satisfied. It's fine. It's, that's just who it's, I am. It's totally fine. Yeah. And I've got to, I've got to be called out from my wife when I'm being a t- turd. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But she also knows that I'm never going to be satisfied and I'm always, but I, the thing is, is finding contentment and enjoying the journey along the way. Yeah. So, Whatever it is I'm going after, I'm going to find contentment and joy along the way because, once again, I'm not going to find it in that destination. So right. that whole principle, I think, is actually a good thing. And I think it's a, it's a gift from God that allows you to constantly improve and want to get better and things of that nature. So I wake up uh, between 5.30 and 6 every morning. I have my cup of coffee. I get in the Word for 30 minutes and, and spend my quiet time there. And then I start working. Yeah. I immediately, I'm, my most productive times are from 6.30 to 9.30 every morning. When nobody's being tingling. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I, I, I get in and get after it. And then, um, you know, I have a series of meetings and calls and, you know, things I do within the business. I'm mostly working through other people nowadays. I have an amazing team um, that run most of the business. Yeah. And so they, they handle most things, so I'm helping them do that. And I'm thinking about, you know, where we go in the strategy and, and all that kind of stuff. And then I... Um, I work out about four o'clock every day. Because you work out in the afternoon. Yeah, because that's my. I'm done about that time because my oh, brain, sure. my brain is fried, and I need that energy back. And working out is a way yeah. that I rest. So uh, I think you said you do CrossFit too. I do CrossFit. Yeah. And I, Where do you train? Uh, Iron Tribe. Yeah. Okay. Great. Which one? One fifty. Two eighty. Two eighty. Okay. Yeah. So I love it in the fact that I show up. They have a workout plan for me. Oh yeah. It's going to be hell. 
Um, yeah. But I enjoy it, and I can only think about living through the next couple minutes. No doubt. Yeah. And that get that allows my brain to rest. I enjoy the, the the challenge of it all. I enjoy the physical activity, and then that keys me up for you know a meaningful evening afternoon. Now mostly with my wife because my kids yeah. are at college and stuff like that. So we're enjoying that flexibility because we it's been a long time. You probably can't relate where you just have nothing to do in the I evenings. Don't, I can't relate. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. So. Um, how long have you been doing CrossFit? Ten years or so. Okay, maybe, great. No, ooh, yeah, maybe so longer. Maybe fifteen years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah fifteen. It, well, yeah, at least fifteen. Years. Afternoon workout guy. Yeah. I used to, I, for my whole life. I was a morning guy. Because that was the only time you could get it in, and that's when you yeah. did it, and all that kind of stuff. And then, as when I did got, you transition to afternoon? Um, probably about ten years ago, when I realized that my energy level, like I'm a, um, mm. I think uh, is it Newhoff talks about you have different energy levels throughout the day, and you need to know your green zone, yellow zone, your red zone. I think my my green zone is in that six thirty to ten thirty yeah. window, and so I need to be doing my most important work during that time. And so that's what I do. My red zone is in the afternoon, yeah. and that's that's why I switched. When you it. pick it up, there. that's great. I yeah. like that a lot. Um, okay, so successful business, been a pretty high income earner. The most of your, I mean, since you're twenty something yeah. years old, talk to me about what you do with outside investing, outside of fast slow motion. Yeah. Like, what do you what do you put your money to to work? I, I've learned the lesson that I'm a horrible investor. Really? Yeah. I, you know, I think good operators think they can pick and, you know, the best investments and they know all this. Stuff. If my hands are not dirty in the business, I'm, it's horrible because. So you think you're more of an operator than anything? Oh, I'm an operator. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an odd bird as an entrepreneur just because I'm, I'm much more wired as the implementer operator type. So you'd have a hard time going and buying a business and putting an operator in place and letting your money work. Not unless I've worked with that person, I trust that person and things of that wow. nature. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's a struggle for me because it's a control thing because I know how to build and scale a business and, and that's challenging. So what I learned to do is I, the way I do other investments is I, I you know, have find people that I know and trust that are in other industries so and, and do other things so I diversify out because you know, I'm in tech. So sure. my, a lot, I have a lot of eggs in the tech ba- basket mm, there. Yeah, so I'm not good. trying to look for the next AI startup or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm investing in like multifamily and right. those kinds of things. And so I have a, a trusted friend and business partner who runs a business that does that. And so every time he has a deal come across, I get involved and, and he does, does it all. And it allows me to diversify my portfolio. I, I want to know more about that. So, so we yeah. do multifamily as well. So tell yeah. me like doors, numbers, all that, how long have you been doing it, all that stuff. Yeah. So I, if you want mine, I'll tell you his name and uh, all yeah, that I'd stuff. love to know who he yeah. is. Yeah. So David Oakley, the okay. Oakley group. Okay, um, I've heard of that. I don't yeah, know. David's an amazing friend of mine, known him for many, many years. Um, so the Oakley group, what they do is they go out and they, they either buy multifamily property and then they manage it Mm -hmm. Um, so they they find good deals and then they'll get the occupancy up they'll remodel it they'll put a good management company on top of it and all that kind of stuff and then either keep it for the cash flow or sell it it, make the money yeah and they're doing a lot of these um, new single family or single home communities like there's one in Huntsville going up right now there's one in Greer South Carolina going on where you know it's a it's a house it's a single family home but it's a community of those and they're all rentals so they're mm-hmm. building those out and doing that kind of stuff. So they do an amazing job, in my opinion. Um, just so you're amazing. like so you're like syndication with them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm a you know 
limited you partner. You send the check. So I, yeah, got it. Which a beautiful thing for me. So I've, I have rental properties and I've done that before, but I'm at my age, I don't want to deal with renters anymore. I'm getting out of that business just yeah. because it's not worth my time and I'm not passionate about it and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so that I do that. I outsource all of my stock market investments and things of that nature. Cause I, once again, it's not, it's not your deal. Uh, yeah. You, you mean, don't want to learn about it. Yeah. I get it. So I'm me fine too. paying those fees and letting them do it and, and stuff like that. So, that's that's what I do. I do a little bit of tech investing and things of that nature, but it's with people that I know or trust or I'm helping out or things like that, and and um, but not trying. I'm not I'm not an angel investor yeah. or anything like that. So here's a thing that we talk about a lot. When did you first start doing something with your money that wasn't your own business? How long ago did you say, okay, we've got this cash over here? Because here's the question I get. Hey, Thomas, I just came into some cash for, through a bonus. Mm-hmm. We made a bunch of money this year. We sold a house and we got that, whatever the thing yeah. is. What, where were you at financially and when was that that you said, okay, I got this little money over here. I'm going to start. I need to make this money do something. Yeah. What, how, old were, how old were you and what was that number? Yeah, so what I did when I was 23... I realized the house that we would build, it was a townhome in the Grayson Valley area. Yeah, you yeah. You probably yeah. know where it is. Um, we, that's where we lived at first. That was, so we bought one of those townhomes. And I, I realized, I was like, we can rent this thing. So I told my wife, I was like, hey, I think we're going to rent this thing. So I, I went out and went to Ace Hardware right down the yeah. street, put a for rent sign out there. And a week later, we had it rented. We had no idea where we were going to go. Yeah. So I, I started doing that. And so it's it, house hacking. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I've only, well, now I've sold two houses, but I've, I just kept every house I lived in, turned it into a rental and started building it up that way and using that equity to do those things versus saying, Hey, I got this pool of cash. What, what can I, what can I do with it? And, and that kind of thing. So that was my model and it allowed me to learn business. So I've been a landlord for 23 years or 22 mm-hmm. years or something like that. And, and doing those kinds of things. And that, that was a good experience on, but you uh, like the syndication stuff you do with the Oakley group better. Oh, hundred percent. Do they do distributions monthly or is it, what, how does it all work? depends on the deal? Yeah. Each so deal, e- is each different. deal is separate. Each deal is separate. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. So questions at the end. All right. Okay. These are pretty simple questions. So, um, does it, I want you to go back in time a little bit. What was your go-to activity with your kids? Nothing to do. You get home at four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Kids are just hanging around. What would be something that would be easy I could go to that you guys will always enjoyed? Yeah. So the go-to activity was travel. Okay. And so it's probably not the answer you wanted because it wasn't a daily thing. Yeah. But um, I was real big on taking my kids places and having those experiences with them. So I took my son to India, I took my daughter mm. to Rwanda and did different things that way. What I did like on a daily basis was whatever they were interested in. Sure. And they were, you know, very different things. So when my son was video games and my daughter, you know, just going shopping and spending time together, her, sure. her love language was, was more around gifts and, mm-hmm. and quality time while my son was affirmation. So I was, I was doing Having to kind. figure those things out. Yeah. Figuring out your kids' love languages yeah. is extremely critical yeah. because like you said, Tegan, my 11 year old boy is a middle kid. He loves fishing. I hate fishing. <laughs> Freaking hate it. Yeah. Okay. But I go. Yeah. And just I to sit. hang out with him. And I tie his lures on so he can fish more. Yeah. Because, you know, when you go fishing, something's always going to yeah. happen. So I'm, I'm his helper. So that I try to do things like that. That's so, such great advice. That, that yeah. was the biggest thing. I wasn't, it was just whatever they enjoyed, I tried to get involved in. Yeah. 
You got to figure that out. Yeah. Okay, we talked about this. You're really just on LinkedIn. Who's your favorite follow on social media? Is it somebody you like and you see them and you enjoy reading their stuff? Anybody on there? Yeah, I'm not a big social media guy to be honest with you, but um, I love Craig Rochelle. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, and uh, I can tell you a bunch of others, but yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd pick him. All right, you're at a different stage of life than I am, even though we're the same age. What are you focused on learning right now? Um, I always have kind of two buckets. Okay. So there's a spiritual side. So I'm always reading some kind of, you know, something there, getting deeper into the word yep. or, or growing that. What that is that spirit. thing? Right. What are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading a praying life, uh, right now. Um, and, but I'm a big Tim Keller guy. Okay. I, I loved yep. all of Tim Keller's books. I'm yep. also reading screw tape letters. I don't know if yeah. you, yeah, I'm a big CS Lewis guy yeah. and, and stuff like that. So I'm always reading something on that. And then I'm always doing something on the business side, which, tends to be Patrick Lanchoni, those kinds of yeah. things and growing that I'm constantly working on being more of a visionary because I'm an implementer and operator mm -hmm. at heart. So I'm always trying to push myself to think bigger, dream yeah. bigger, uh, and not, not, not sell myself short or the company short, uh, from that perspective. And Chris, Pastor Chris had a message about, you remember not long ago, the prayer Jabez message. I don't uh -huh. know if you remember that. Yeah. It just kind of kicked me in the chest a little bit because he talked about, thinking bigger mm -hmm. and it's really really odd sometimes to hear a pastor talk about thinking bigger yeah. and and wanting more blessing yeah. because of the influence that you can have on other people that's right and man, that just that was great for me yeah. and it really helped me so i agree with you on that so trying yeah to i think the, the key bigger. to that too is also like I, I try to begin every day in prayer saying like god don't let me do anything if you're not coming with me mm. and if i'm not being a good steward of it please take it away sure and so if you have that kind of heart, you know, God will want to bless that and then give you more and more of that influence. Absolutely. And it's not about what you get from it. It's what the opportunity you get to do for mm, other people and stuff sure. like that. And so that's, that, that's, you know, my, my goal with fast slow motion more than anything right. is, is I see, when I see 125 people, I see 125 families. I see yeah. 125 opportunities. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, um, what do you and your wife argue about the most? Um, that's a good question. Um, probably just, I am a very, very high D personality. Okay. Explain that. Um, so, um, you know, the disc profile yeah, or whatever. So I'm like very blunt, very matter of fact, hmm. very logical, very straightforward. And my wife is much more I and, yeah. and, and likes to, you know, she wants to tell me the whole story behind the thing and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So a lot Your of times. Your emails are this long, her emails are this long. That's right, okay. yeah. Gotcha. And so it, a lot of times when we're, we, we get sideways because, uh, you know, I just get, I was like, you've told me that 5,000 times or Finish whatever. Finish the story. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm just trying to get on and move on. And then yeah. she, she, she obviously, that's not good for me and sure. those kinds of things. So that's probably the, um, one of the major areas where we just, but we've, you know, we love each other. We've been doing yeah, yeah. it for so long. You but, understand each other. That's, yeah, what, that's part yeah, of it. Yeah. What's the, your favorite vacation that you've ever taken? The next one. Nice. <laughs> I've never gotten that answer before. That's good. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, travel guy. I'm the guy that loves to go to the place I've never been before. Sure. And so we've really tried to institute that in our family. Mm -hmm. um, if you've never been to Rwanda, okay. you need to go to Rwanda. Why? why? Um, we could do a whole podcast on this. Yeah. But, um, Rwanda is an amazing country, and they've been obviously had the genocide and the things sure. that are going on. But the people are amazing. It's the only. It's they're the nicest um, 
people I've ever met. They're the hardest working people I've ever met, and they've they've been through the one of the worst modern tragedies tragedies in in, in modern history. Um, but and they've they've totally turned their country around, and they've modeled it after like Singapore and South Korea. So it's now the safest country in Africa. And it's the only place in the world you can go to and stay at a five-star Marriott in Kigali, go a couple hours north and go trekking with the mountain gorillas. It's the only place in the world the mountain gorillas actually live. So you actually go trek with mountain gorillas that are out in the wild. You can go the other direction and go to Akagera and go um, on a safari and see, see the big five. Um, wow. and, but most importantly, the, the people you get to meet there. And there's something there's some special about Africa. Wow, that's great. What is your favorite vacation that you've never taken? I would love there's 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 probably a handful of places I would love to go. I want to go to Antarctica. Um, Never heard that one before. <laughs> um, I mean, very few people. I just sure. got back from the Amazon fishing okay. in the Amazon, uh, which is amazing. What, what what's what country? Uh, Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, being somewhere that very few people have ever been before yeah, sure. really intrigues me and stuff like that. But also, I want to do New Zealand and Australia. I've never yeah. been to those places. A friend of mine went to New Zealand and said it was the best place he's ever been. Yeah, I hear it's pretty awesome. What about you? What, what's your favorite place? Um, I am a, this sounds really, really, so when I vacation, I'm the opposite of, not the opposite of you. Like when I go on vacation, I want to do nothing. Like I want to That's exactly how my wife is. I want to sit. So we fight about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I want to sit. I want to read. I want to relax because I am very, very similar to you is I'm a go, 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 whether it be exercise with the kids or business or whatever. So I'm, my brain's always on. And so I enjoy that. So I enjoy, um, I enjoy all inclusive places oh, nice, yeah. to where you go, you very rarely wear a shirt, you very rarely wear shoes <laughs> and you read and you get in the water. I love water. Yeah, so, uh, awesome. anything, uh, all inclusive, we love Mexico. Um, so that's one of the, not Mexico's not my favorite place, but we love that, that general place. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, favorite vacation I've never taken would be, I, I think Africa is very intriguing never been there and so i'll give after, you i'll give you a money back guarantee after you talking about rwanda <laughs> and it being a safe place that sounds oh, it's super safe that uh, would be awesome so um okay so as we wrap up what then we could go probably two hours probably <laughs> what questions do you have for me like anything that you just as we talked and what do you think what what do you what do you have for me that you want to know about what we do all right you you've obviously created a great business scaled it up what what what's your current challenges and problems are you facing right now that you're dealing with i think for me um the more when you have more employees and you see them every day like you mm-hmm. don't see yours because you're totally remote and you talk to them but managing multiple personalities mm-hmm. is always difficult especially as you grow and you get more people yeah. uh, male female old young all those things yeah. that's 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 the one of the things that i not struggle with it's just one of those things that i deal with uh, i think secondly is figuring out what's next uh what direction to go mm-hmm. what to do um Next, whether it be in this business, whether it be starting another business, I'm looking to buy more businesses and have operators in place. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. As far as it's, I, I, it's a struggle, but it's not kind of I don't I'm not up at night thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's the biggest thing for me right now. Yeah. So, uh, but look, this has been awesome, John. This is great. I've loved learning about all the things that you're involved in, but also the journey. Your journey's been really, really cool. Um, very consistent. And I love talking about consistencies and people that are just, they do what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They're doing what they're called to do. So I really appreciate it. So uh, where can people find you? So, so you may have struck a chord here with someone that says, man, I want to work for that guy. 
I know Salesforce or I want to whatever. Where's the best place for someone to get in touch with you? Yeah, you can go to our website, fastslowmotion.com. Check out the careers page. Um, You can contact me through there. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm on social media too, but I'm not, I don't, I haven't logged into Facebook in like five years and stuff, but our team's on there and you, you can find us that way. But LinkedIn is if you want to hit me up personally, personally. is the best way to get me. Great. John, thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me.